love that lady. Well, uh, like Lois was talking about, we are going to, oh, by the way, how many got invite cards? You need to get some invite cards so you can invite friends to our Christmas Eve Eve service. And, it, and the theme is I'll be home for Christmas. So you'll really like that. Also, uh, today, we would like to, in honor of Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage, we'd like to laugh your way by doing a giveaway, all right? So who has been married here for eight years today? Anyone? Eight years, eight years. No, just who's been married for eight years, okay? Just just eight years, not, not nine, not ten. Who's been married for eight years? Anybody like that? Oh, no one. Okay, I guess I won't be giving. No. Okay, who's, whose anniversary is in February or in uh, December? Who's December? Okay, anyone else? Okay, you get, are you married? Huh? <laughs> you just got an $80 value right there. All right. And by the way, the reason we changed it to 40 is because we found out that the, the state is charging us tax on these tickets. So that's why it got, went from 35 to 40. So that's the deal. Don't you love taxes? You, you, you'll love taxes this next April when you get your tax return. Or you'll hate taxes if you have to pay. All right. All right. Anyway, let's open our Bibles to, uh, actually, we're going to go to one main scripture, Matthew 18, but we'll start reading in uh, Philippians 4 and a few other ones, all right? So what I want us to know is that we've been in a series called The Overcoming Life, and we've talked about how to become, overcome the pattern of pain, emotional pain. Last week, we talked about rejection. Today, I want to finish up this series as we go into Christmas talk about the issue of forgiveness. And uh, again, let me remind all of us, we have called this series The Overcoming Life because all believers are either being overcome or they're overcoming or they're being overcome. Is that right? That's right. All right, today we're not going to make our prayer declaration. I'm just going to say a prayer. Father, I just ask you to touch this sermon today, minister to us, help us, Lord, to be overcomers, especially in the area of forgiveness. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Does it say some things? Does it say most things? No. It says all things. 1 John 5.4 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Our God's bigger than any situation we face. Uh, Revelations 12, 11. And they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. So let me just say this. Sometimes forgiving someone means dying to yourself. Jesus did not die on the cross to give us the ability to cope. He died on the cross to give us the ability to conquer every enemy, every foe that we face in our lives. Now, the issue of forgiveness or unforgiveness is a big issue for all of our lives because we're all going to get hurt and we're going to be rejected and we're going to 
be hurt by family members, friends, co-workers, business partners, ex-spouses, boyfriends or girlfriends. And Christmas brings around some of those people you wish you didn't see. But you have to be with them at different times. And sometimes it's just uh, things that happen to us are incidental skirmishes that happen from time to time in a day. And then other days, those skirmishes are horrific. Now, I know probably everyone in this room has had something happen to you at one time or another that was devastating. And in some cases, it was horrific, incomprehensible uh, what has happened to some of you. But I also need to say, in light of all that has happened to all of us at different times and in different ways, the Lord has never given us the inability to not forgive. So we simply have to forgive in every circumstance, and it can be very challenging. Now, in Matthew 18, great story, Peter comes up to Jesus and asks him a question. It starts out this way in verse 21. Then Peter came to him, Jesus, and said, Lord, how often shall my brother, uh, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Now, the law said you only had to give up uh, forgive for three times. So Peter thought he was being generous, and I don't know about you, but if you have to give the same person, forgive the same person seven times in one day, I mean, well, that's exasperating, all right? But Jesus says to him in verse 22, Jesus said, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven, 490 times in a day. Now, the issue is not the 490 times, but that you should always forgive no matter how many times someone wrongs you in just one day. So Jesus uses this backdrop of Peter asking him this question to tell us what it's like in the kingdom of heaven concerning forgiveness. Now, all of you need to know, the kingdom of God is wherever uh, uh, God's rule and reign is. So as Christians, his rule and reign should be in our hearts And whatever our king says is what we need to obey and enforce in our lives, not on our own willpower, but through the power of Jesus Christ, our king. Now, in verse 33, it says this, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, that's a lot of money in our day. The least that I could find, 10,000 talents would be, would be $10 million. That's the least. I'll give you more clarity on that in a moment. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 denarii. Now, a denarii was one day's wage for labor. So if you worked for a person for one day, you would pay them a denarii. So a 100 denarii is one-third of a year's wages for the average job. So let's just say, for modern terms, this guy owed him $20,000, okay? Now, the rest of the verse says this. 
And he laid hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his servant, or so his fellow servant, fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but he went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved, came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was very angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father, hear this, my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Now, I don't know about you, but that is a shocking story. I mean, uh, Jesus is telling us in in some exaggerated terms uh, to illustrate to us uh, what needs to be uh, looked at from God's perspective as far as forgiveness goes. So from, from this story, let me give you three shocking truths concerning forgiveness. On your notes, write this down. Number one, it is shocking how seriously God takes the issue of forgiveness. What this story tells us is that God has zero tolerance for unforgiveness. There's, there's never a situation or a circumstance where God will not allow us to forgive. And I know what's going through your mind. Pastor Doug, you have no idea what's happened to me. And I just want you to know, I have tried to find some loophole somewhere where God might give us an exception to allow us to have unforgiveness towards someone because I have discovered there's no, no exceptions. In fact, so much so, Jesus tells us in the last verse of this story, if you don't forgive your brother from your heart, my father will turn you over to be tortured. So what Jesus is telling us here is that unforgiveness is literally torture. The kind of torture he's talking about can be physical, like stress, like high blood pressure, ulcers, nervous disorders, headaches, skin rashes, and so on. So God never created us to be repositors for hatred. And when we decide to keep something within us, like for unforgiveness and bitterness, here's what it is. It will eat us from the inside out. It will cause you to have emotional mood swings, outbursts of anger, personality changes. My wife has told me a few times, your personality is changing, and depression. And now, here's what you need to know. The clinical definition of depression is anger turned inward. So our emotions have only a limited amount of energy. It's like, it is like running. Uh, we all understand you can run so far before you run out of energy. Our emotions have a limited amount of energy, and the highest consumer uh, of our emotional energy is anger. It's like putting your emotions on a treadmill, and you wake up one day, and you want to get up, but your emotions say, you can get up and try if you want, but we're going to stay here in bed. We can't move. And we call that depression, but in many cases, the answer is not medication, but unforgiveness. 
So the answer is forgiveness. And the truth is, we are an over-medicated society because a lot of us don't want to do what God says. So here's a key. Unforgiveness will spiritually separate us from God's grace. Now, I want you to say, I, I want to say, if you are saved, you're saved and you will not lose your salvation. He loves you, but God will give you as much grace as you give away to others. So, if we want God's river of grace to flow through our lives, there can't be a, du- a, a dam of judgment inside each one of us. This story is about a man's forgiveness being revoked because of his unwillingness to forgive someone else. We also need to understand demonic oppression and torment come through unforgiveness. Ephesians 4, 26 through 27, it says this, be angry and do not sin and do not let the sun go down on your wrath. The wrath means unforgiveness. Verse 27, nor give place to the devil. Now, when you and I go to bed with unforgiveness in our hearts, it's an open door to the devil. And the Greek word there for for devil is diabolos or diabolos, which also means thought caster or slander. So when you and I go to bed with unforgiveness, it's an open door to the slander. It's like, uh, it means this. Today's anger is manageable. In other words, Almost every day, we we get hurt by what people say or do to us, and we deal with it, and we forgive them, and we move on. That's very manageable if you deal with it during that day. But if you go to bed with it, we need to remember, our enemy's stealthy. He's like a slithery snake, and what makes him dangerous is we don't know it's him. So what he does is he comes into your mind, casts a thought that is a lie, and then slithers back out of your mind. And you say, oh, this is just me. No, it's not. And we never know he came in, and we never know he left, but our unforgiveness and our unwillingness to forgive has left an open door. Be angry. That's fine for a moment. I mean, even God gets angry. But aren't you glad he doesn't stay angry? But don't sin and justify your bad behavior. So God's trying to give us a key here to live a life of peace and rest. Don't hold your hurt in. Don't go to bed with it, or you will give an open door to the thought caster to come in and slander the person that you are upset with. In fact, when we go to bed with unforgiveness, you will give an open door to receive counseling from the devil. It is like saying this, I went to counseling this week. In fact, I went to counseling last night, and and my counselor told me as a Christian, it's okay for me to hate this person and hold a grudge against them. In fact, my counselor told me it's okay to get even with them when when at all possible, when it's possible, and, and that I don't have to forgive them for anything. He's given me so many hateful thoughts towards my spouse, my peers, my coworkers, and some people I, I, I thought were my friends. I mean, he's an awesome counselor. And the person you're talking to says, wow, what's the name of your counselor? I'd like to try them out. And you answer, well, he goes by the name Diabolos, and some call him Lucifer. He's a great guy. Since I've been going to him, my blood pressure's gone up. I break out in hives, but I love holding this grudge. See, truth is, you've been deviled and you didn't even know it. 
See, I can't say this strong enough. Unforgiveness opens the door for our enemy to come into our souls, our mind, will, and emotions, and then our bodies to oppress us. And then God says it is torture. It is both relationally and emotional torture. Now, how do you think our country has gotten into the state of mess that it's in because of divorce, which almost always comes from unforgiveness, racism, wars, lies, lawsuits, violence, political party pain, and devastation? Here are a few phrases about forgiveness that I think we could all benefit from here, and you've probably heard some of these. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison, hoping the other person will die. Forgiveness doesn't make them right. It just makes me free. Forgiveness is one of the most self-loving things you will ever do. Aren't those good quotes? Now, I have ministered to a lot of people over issues of freedom and inner healing, and unforgiveness is the mother of all issues. I'm telling you, unforgiveness will torture your soul. If you're hurting from something a person has done to you, a mother, a father, a a stepfather, stepmother, a brother, an uncle, a neighbor, someone else, forgiveness is your key. Now, I, I wish I had time to tell you some stories that I've had to deal with people because I've ministered to a lot of people when it comes to forgiveness, and I don't have time to tell them in this service. Next service, I will, all right? Now, here's what you need to know, Matthew six fifteen. But if you do not forgive their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Now, this verse is part of the Lord's Prayer. And as Jesus goes through the Lord's Prayer, he says, Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So whether you know it or not, you've said to the Lord over and over again, forgive me of my debts, my sins, as I've forgiven those who've sinned against me. So you need to think about that for a moment because here's, here's the deal. Uh, when Jesus finished the Lord's Prayer, the only part he repeats is verse 15. The only part he repeats of the prayer is verse 15. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So Jesus is teaching that forgiveness is conditional. Here's the next shocking truth. It is shocking how petty unforgiveness seems from God's perspective. See, Jesus is telling us this story from God's perspective on forgiveness and compares the things people do to us as a talent. Now, or, or a denarii. So the lowest denomination I found for a talent in today's money is about $300,000, which means 10, that's 10,000 talents. But it's equivalent to uh, 10,000 talents if you take it and put it in today's gold standards. It's worth $3 billion. So in this story, Jesus is telling us this man owed a debt he could never repay on his own terms. So this master realizes his predicament, forgives him of this massive debt. But then this guy goes out, finds a fellow servant, grabs him by the throat, who owes him 100 denarii, $20,000. And so let's break this down for a moment. I really want you to get this. The man who owed the greater debt owed his master Three or 200,000 man years of labor. So this man could have hired 200,000 men to work for one year to, to uh, equal what he had to forgive him for. 
But then he goes out, finds a man who owes him one-third of a year's wages, $20,000, and starts beating him. The servant asks for forgiveness. He says no and puts him in prison. The other servants go and tell the master about it and uh, who forgave him billions of dollars. And the master's furious. And Jesus is telling us this story. This is what unforgiveness looks like from God's perspective. When we hold unforgiveness towards other, others after he's forgiven us. So here's the third shocking truth in this story. It is shocking how much different we are from God when it comes to the issue of forgiveness. We aren't like God. We want to be, but this story tells us how unlike we are, uh, how unlike God we are. Look at uh, Psalms 103. Listen to these verses. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Do you know anybody like that? Maybe, maybe. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. Now listen to this. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like hardly anyone I know. It doesn't sound like a lot of people I know. I mean, I was telling somebody the other day, listen, how many watched the, the movie Father of the Bride? And the girl that's getting married to the, to the guy, uh, the, she's very reactionary. And she gets upset easily. And she got upset because the, her future husband bought her a blender. And she comes in, she says, it's off, the, the, the wedding's off. Uh, and, and the father's trying to be understanding. Oh, what happened, honey? He bought me a blender. He thinks I'm going to be a woman who does all of his work. So the dad goes out, takes the, the future groom out for a little uh, talk. And he says, Brian, I, I just want you to know that my daughter can be a little reactionary. But I just want you to know that we come from a long line of reactionary people. And that's how I feel. In my, if you knew my family, you, you would think, Doug, you've really come a long way. <laughs> but here's the thing. It's an interesting fact about how Americans think about unforgiveness. 94% of Americans believe it is important to forgive others. But only 50% of those Americans practice it regularly. Which means if you offend somebody, you've got a 50-50 chance. Okay, so let's talk about understanding the meaning of forgiveness. Write this down. Forgiveness means permanently forgiving all debt and bringing the balance to zero. It means you don't owe me anything. You owe me no explanation. You don't owe me an apology. You don't owe me anything. Listen, I I don't like this. I don't like this theology. The word forgive in the Greek is ephemia, and it means to send away. It means it is gone. It means to wipe the slate clean. Do you remember what we just read in Psalm 103? God has forgiven our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. Do you know why it says, doesn't say as far as the north from the south? Because... We can measure north from south. 
You can go as far north and eventually you're going to end up going south because there's two poles and we can measure it. But uh, there is no west pole and there is no east pole, so it can't be measured. They will never meet up. When God forgives our sins, he compares it to east to west because he's saying it's gone forever, forever. It'll never be remembered, brought up again. So God has an ability that we don't have. He chooses to forget our wrongs and he will never bring them up and use them against us again. When God forgives us, it means the slate is wiped clean and never to be remembered or used against you again. And it's because Jesus paid the debt that we owe. When we don't forgive, we decide we will take on the other person's debt and I'll carry it myself. So here's the second thing about forgiveness. It means permanently forfeiting the right of reproach. This means I'm not going to reproach you by grabbing you and beating you and making you pay more. Once I've forgiven you, it's done and over. The third thing about uh, forgiveness is it means permanently foregoing all expressions of private and public judgment. This means I'm not going to gossip or slander you and keep talking about you in a negative way, privately or publicly. It means I'm going to keep this thing I'm not going to keep this thing stirred up in my heart anymore by my words privately or publicly. And I've heard people say, and I've said this before, well, I'm just saying it privately to you, honey. Now, here's what forgiveness doesn't mean. This is not on your notes, but I'm going to read these quickly. It doesn't mean that I lose the right for self-protection. If someone's abusing you, get away from them. You, you can still protect yourself and forgive. It means I have no basis. It does not mean that I have no basis of confrontation. It means that you can have forgiveness and still confront someone in love so that you can get resolve. So it means you need to do that in marriage with your spouse. You need to do that in family with close friends. Their response, though, however they respond, should not condition your response with, with forgiveness, no matter what. Number three, it doesn't mean there shouldn't be punishment or consequences. You can forgive them, but they still may be going to jail, okay? It also doesn't mean you can't seek legal or police protection. You may have to call the police. You may have to get protection or get some legal advice. The bottom line is what is in your heart. That's the bottom line. If your heart wants revenge and vindication, what, what that means is you still have unforgiveness in your heart, and I may know that's, that's not a good thing. So here are some forms of unforgiveness. This is not on your notes, but... Here's what it means. Forgiveness, uh, unforgiveness has many forms. So here's what, if you have unforgiveness in your heart, you want revenge. And it can show itself through violence, murder, abuse, and bitterness. Slander, another form of unforgiveness. Uh, gossip, slander, sarcasm, verbal abuse. Labeling someone. Uh, divorce, which Jesus said, it's not always, but often. Divorce comes through the hardness of heart. Let me just say how... You know how your heart gets hard? One drop of unforgiveness at a time. That's how it gets hard. Now, and lastly, uh, passive and aggressive behavior. Passive and aggressive behavior means this. It means two things. I'm not going to do something for you I know you want, but I will do something to you I know you don't want. That's passive aggressive. Okay, so let's end up, end up today by talking about how to forgive from the heart. And this is what the foolish servant who had been forgiven 
and uh, an unrepayable debt. This is what he forgot. Number one, we must remember that our sins cost Jesus his life. See, the truth is, if we had been alive in Jesus' day, we would have nailed him to the cross. It wasn't just the Romans. It wasn't just the Jews. It's people who are alive today, past, present, and future. And we need to realize, you need to say this, I killed Jesus. Not just the Jews or the Romans, but I did. My, my sin put the most innocent and righteous person in the history of the world on a cross, not knowing he was paying for our sins. We deserve judgment, but God in his mercy took our judgment, died on a cross, and paid for our debt. And then many of us will say, I get that, Pastor Doug, but you don't know what they did to me. You're right. I don't know. But do you know what they did to Jesus? You need to remember this. They stripped him naked in front of his family, pushed a crown of thorns into his skull, whipped him 39 times with a whip that had iron on the end of it that tore his flesh from his body. They slapped him. They beat him with their fists. They spit on him and mocked him. And they put nails in his hands and feet, uh, punctured his side with a spear. And we did that. And we can't blame it on anyone else. We have to take responsibility and say, My sin put Jesus on that cross. My sin nailed him there. The kingdom of heaven is like, like what? A master who came into accounts with his servants. And a servant came up that owed a debt he could never repay and begged for forgiveness. And his master said, I forgive you. But then he went and found a fellow servant who owed him 20 grand and he wouldn't forgive him. Jesus is telling us this story that you and I need to remember the debt that he forgave us, that he forgave you. It's greater than you could ever repay. And when you and I go out and try to settle accounts with our fellow servants, remember how much debt God has forgiven you. Here's the second thing you need to write down to forgive from your heart. We must remember that God loves our offender as much as he loves us. How could you possibly love him as much as you love me? See, this is the troubling part about forgiveness. When we are upset with someone, it's hard to believe that God could love them as much as he loves us because they've been such an idiot. Well, come on. So I need to let us in on a little secret, and that is this. All unforgiveness begins with devaluing another person. And if I put a label on you, that you are less valuable than me, it then gives me the right to mistreat you and not forgive you. See, we need to remember, all human beings are sacred to God in God's sight, and he loves them more than we can comprehend. Here's the third thing you need to, to write down to forgive from your heart. We must make a permanent release of their debt to us and release their judgment to God. Look at these verses in Romans 12, 17 through 19. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, which most of it does, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. You know what he's saying? The place of vengeance belongs to the Lord. Unforgiveness is unbelief, by the way, which means you don't trust God 
It means that you don't think God cares and you don't think he can handle it, so you'll handle it on your own. Forgiveness says, I forgive them, Lord. And if there's any judgment, it's, it's yours, Lord, not mine. I trust you that you're going to be fair and do a much better job than me. So how do you forgive from your heart? Well, this next one is the biggest one. We must bless them and pray for them. Luke 6, 28. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. I've had people say to me, I've forgiven that person a hundred times in my head, but nothing's changing. Well, that's because you don't pray for God to bless them. Now, I don't consider myself a hater of people, but I've hated a few people in my time. In fact, I've hated some people so much I've had a little torture chamber down in my heart, and I would drag them down there a few times a day, and depending on who they were, and uh, I'd, you know, slap them around a little bit, and then tell the Lord, I wish you would do this, but since you aren't, I'm going to take this job into my own hands and, and get it done. In my heart, I was just one funeral away from personal revival. I had a hit list, but the Lord wouldn't receive it. And just, just, just a side note, regardless of the people you hate, the people you love the most will get the worst of it. You will get irritable, edgy, snappy, and the people you love the most, they, they lose. Poor Lois. She said to me, your personality's changing. And I said, what are you talking about? I'm so easygoing and easy to be around. And she said, I'm just telling you, you were bad before, but now you're worse. And you, need, you need to get some prayer. You need to get some deliverance. And so uh, I just thought, you know, I need to pray and I need to bless these people. And I'm not kidding you. I have a list, and it, it's very hard at times to pray for them and to pray that God blesses them. And I have found this, that the more you pray for people you think are your enemy, and the more you bless them, here's what happens. Blessing your enemy forces forgiveness out of your head and lets it come to your heart. If you can't bless, you haven't forgiven. Now, I wish I had time to tell you a few more stories, but I don't. So let me just say this. Blessing uh, forces forgiveness out of your head and into your heart, and if you can't bless, you haven't forgiven. And lastly, on your notes, here's what you need to write down. We must resist sin. He is our accuser, and he's always trying to get us to take up an offense and walk in unforgiveness. So how do we resist him? Uh, you can write down these things really quickly. And you've heard me say them already throughout the sermon, but don't go to bed angry. Don't do it. Not worth it. Don't let him become your counselor at night while you sleep. Deal with offenses and hurts every day, every moment. <clears throat> Don't take other people, take up other people's offenses. It's so easy to take up another person's offense. And Lois and I have said this over and over. Don't take up our offense. If they're offended, don't worry. God will take care of it. And then don't rehearse and nurse the hurts. Reverse the hurts by forgiving, blessing, and loving your enemies. That's how you do it. And lastly, don't justify forgiveness or allow self-pity or bitterness to come into your life. All right? Bitterness is just aged anger, by the way. It just gets worse and worse.
worse if you let it age. And how many know there's nothing worse than aged sour milk or aged milk turned sour, okay? So I want to end this sermon today the same way we did last week. I'd like to make a prayer declaration today, uh, a prayer declaration of healing from unforgiveness and abuse. So would you stand with me? And we're all going to say this prayer together. Okay, would you read this with me? Remain it from your heart, say it by faith. Say this with me. God knows me and loves me. His spirit is near to me. He hymns me in and protects me and heals my broken heart. Today, I receive my healing. What the devil meant for evil, God will turn for good. I have authority to overcome all the power of Satan. I will release all who have hurt me in any way. I command a blessing on all my enemies. I entrust them now to the righteous judge. I choose to let go of the past and leave it behind. I pull up all bitter roots and throw them in the fire. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of unforgiveness and abuse. I renounce all anger, resentment, hatred, and unforgiveness. Lord, cleanse my hands of all unforgiveness and abuse. God has a plan for me, a hope and a future to prosper me and bless me. He will restore to me all of the years the devil has stolen. I cast my burden on Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come. Amen. Come on. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know how you walked in here today, but you know how you walked in. You know if you're carrying a heavy burden of unforgiveness. You know there's people you may not want to see or work things through with. But I can tell you today, the answer to your life is a forgiving master, a forgiving Savior. And he's saying to you today, and you know he's been saying this, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a moment. But you know... He's been talking to you throughout this whole service, saying, today is my day. And if you don't know Christ, or at one time you did, but you've fallen away because you've been hurt and abused, and you know there's unforgiveness there, today's your day. The answer is a forgiving master. It starts with him. If you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today's your day. Just lift your hand and say, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. Raise him high. Don't hold back. Don't be embarrassed. Thank you. See that one there? See that one there? Two, three, any more? Four, five, six, seven. Okay, several. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand. You can come down. Okay, now here's what we're going to do. We're going to say a prayer. We're going to pray it by faith. You believe in your heart, you confess it with your mouth. Jesus, your Lord. Once you do that, as he becomes your Savior, you need to get baptized in water like Eric and Scott did. In fact, I think we have, we, you can do it next service. We have enough uh, stuff to help you do that. And, and, and obey God and get it done. And then get involved in fresh start so you can start getting the foundation and get involved and equip. Become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Say this prayer with me. Father God, thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to die in my place. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins, all my mistakes, all my failures. Come into my life. 
I mean my Savior, my Lord, my boss, my friend, and my King. And by your grace and by your power, I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Okay, if I could have some older workers come up, we're going to end in worship this morning. And we do this to make it easy for you to get prayer. And I know that 